Welcome to the Not Just a Pony Ride podcast, presented to you by Hedger University. If you've landed here, you're probably passionate about how horses help people. Whether you're an instructor, therapist, in the business, or have experienced equine-assisted services yourself, we're glad you're here. Join us as we talk about the benefits, the science, to-dos, how-tos, and all of the reasons why what we do is so much more than just a pony ride. And now, from the Hetra campus in Gretna, Nebraska, here's your host, occupational therapist Katie King. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today I have a really good episode with Shelby Schult. She is our equine operations manager here at Hetra. She manages all things horse, including setting weight limits for our horses. So this is a hot topic, especially in our area of equine assisted services and and therapy services. And Shelby is here to talk about how we set our weight limits and why it's so important. She's also gonna walk us through a couple of examples. So head over to the Not Just a Pony Ride Facebook page and ask to join if you aren't already a member. We are gonna share a couple of photos there that Shelby is gonna talk us through as far as looking at that horse and setting weight limits for that horse based on its confirmation and that sort of thing. So head over there to see the examples and enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the show, Shelby. Thanks, Katie. Why don't you introduce yourself and then we'll kick off today's topic. My name is Shelby Schult and I am the Equine Operations Manager at Hetra. Very good. You are the qualified person to talk about today's topic because we are going to talk about weight limits, setting weight limits on our horses, as well as just some general back soreness we see from things like unbalanced riders and that sort of thing. So how do we set weight limits for our horses? That's a loaded question, Katie. (laughs) (laughs) So there is a whole plethora of topics and things that we look at when we set a weight limit for a horse. I'm sure everybody that's listening to this podcast has at some point heard about the 20% rule or using a horse's bone density or things like that to help set weight limits. And those are all really, really great tools to use in your program if that is what you guys do. However, I think in the adaptive riding world, there's some more things that we need to take into account based on the population of horses that work with us. Um, So the 20% rule is essentially that a horse can carry 20% of their weight without it impacting their gait or their stride length or anything like that. The science behind that says it's actually closer to 17%, but I think as an industry, um, the equine world has kind of rounded that to 20% because it makes it a little bit easier. The thing to keep in account, if that's the method you're using, is that has to take into account the horses, the weight of the horse's tack that they're using also. So if you have a 50 pound saddle, you have to take that into account when you're adding that weight together. So in the bone density rule, um, that one's a little bit more complicated. There's, There's a lot of science behind that. It talks about the length of their cannon bones and the width of their cannon bones, the diameter and how, what their bone density is. And uh, it takes a lot of factors into account. And I think that method is generally pretty, um, probably pretty solid for most, you know, young to middle-aged horses. However, the math behind it is really complicated. um, And the logistics of gathering all that information is really complicated. So things that we look at here at Hetra when we set weight limits, um, we look at the horse's size 
We look at the horse's age. We look at their overall conformation. Um, we look at any history of lameness, any history of back sound unsoundness, any history of um, lower limb unsoundnesses. And then we take into account just their overall physical well-being. So horses are just like people that you may you might see a person who is 50 years old and they weigh 175 pounds and they're in great physical shape. They run marathons, they do X, Y, Z. Or you might find somebody that's 50 years old, they weigh 175 pounds, and after they get out of their desk job at five o'clock every day, they go and they sit on their couch. Those are two very different individuals, and that needs to be taken into account whenever we're talking about weight limits on our horses. If you think about the types of horses that come to us that Mm -hmm. are typically in their later years in life, in their second or third careers, they have a lot of experience. Those are the guys we really like. Mm -hmm. What is their, what's their condition, body condition typically like when they come to us? It really depends on the horse. So Mm -hmm. if the horse is coming to us as a second or a third career and they're coming to us four to six months after the end of their first or second career, generally their physical fitness is pretty good still. Um, If they're coming to us as a third career after sitting in a pasture for two years, their physical fitness is not going to be as strong as it would be if they were coming directly out of another job. Um, And here at Hetra, we have a pretty stringent or strict um, conditioning program to get all of our horses kind of up to par physically before they ever go into work with our participants because we do want to make sure physically they're as comfortable as they can be to do this job. Uh, We all know this job's really challenging and it's mentally mentally hard on horses. So if we can make it physically easier, they're going to be happier in the job. Um, One additional thing that I think as an industry, we need to really start paying attention to is that we need to be weighing our riders. Um, it's, It's so, 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 so important that as a center, you are responsible for getting an accurate weight on your rider. And I know this is a really uncomfortable conversation. Um... Hetra started weighing our riders quarterly, I would say probably six or seven years ago. Um, And I can tell you it has made a huge difference in the way that we run some of our programming. Um, I can also tell you that the paperwork that says your rider weighs X amount that's signed by the parents or the doctors is not always correct. And and that's really important to know that information. So if you see only little tykes, you see, um, you know, kiddos that are under the age of 10, probably under 125 to 130 pounds, that might not make a huge difference for most horses. For some horses, it will. um, But for most horses, you're probably going to be in the clear. However, if you see any population of adults, Um, I can tell you a person that looks like they weigh about 160 or 170 pounds, they can weigh a lot more than that. Um, And I think the other side of that coin is we have to be really evaluating our participants if they're a balanced rider or an unbalanced rider. So going back a little bit on how Hetra runs things here and what we've found to be most successful is... Um, each of our horses has an individual weight limit. So our program weight limit is 220 pounds. Um, we don't ride any mounted students over 220 pounds, even on our most fit or 
horses are most capable horses, nothing over 220 pounds rides. Um, Why is that, Shelby? From a management standpoint, that's what we found we're the most comfortable with. Um, that I would say even at 220 pounds, we have a herd of about 30 horses. But the number of horses that we feel comfortable carrying that amount of weight is very small. Um, and I would say historically in the last probably five years, we've probably had a total of five to seven horses that have been approved at that weight limit. Um, so from what we found, just the way we set our weight limits, we have found that we're not really comfortable with more weight than that on our horses. Um, in addition to that, if you have any sort of a rider that needs assistance at the mount, if they need sidewalker support, if they need anything like that, um, that gets to be even more challenging the heavier your rider gets. Because I want people to be thinking about that's a 220 pound weight limit in a therapeutic riding center. Mm -hmm. So it would be different if our horses are, it would be a different herd of horses and a different per population of participants if we were talking about a public riding barn or a jumping barn or a, or a whatever. Um, but here, I mean, we're thinking that the majority of our students are going to need some physical assistance um, and not be able to, to ride as independently as like you or I would. You're absolutely right, Katie. So I think that's a totally, I think weight limits is a totally different conversation. If you're talking about young horses, so you've got a four-year-old horse or a six-year-old horse, they're in their prime, they're actively working, they're very qualified for their job, they're physically about as fit as they're ever going to be. And you have a rider who rides five days a week and they're very qualified, they're strong, they support themselves, they're balanced, they use their body appropriately. I think that's a totally different conversation than what we see every day in adaptive riding or, or therapy programs. Mm -hmm. I think those two things are very different. Mm -hmm. So going back to weighing your participants, I know it's a really uncomfortable conversation and it's a really uncomfortable, uncomfortable policy to put in place. Um, but like I said before, it's really important and, and you're going to see a lot of changes happen with your horses for the better when you start doing that. Um, so when Hetra implemented this policy a few years ago, um, we sent an email out to parents and caregivers and said, this is what's happening and why. Um, and our, our reason why is what everybody's reason why should be that we need to make sure that we're doing our the best by our horses and doing our due diligence to make sure that we're abiding by what's going to keep them the most healthy. Um, the safety of our sidewalkers, the safety of our instructors and our therapists. Um, so we sent an email out. We let them know that it was going to happen. And then we set the scales out in our arena for a week and we put every rider on a scale. Now, there are a few cases where you're not going to be able to feasibly get a participant on, on a scale. Um, and so in those instances, you do have to rely on the weight from your doctor or their doctor or whatever that might be. So keep those things in mind. Um, make it a policy and just make it something that happens. So we don't, our, our people don't even bat an eye mm -hmm. at this point. They they come in, we say, hey, it's weights week. Okay, great. Everybody jumps on the scale. We write it down. We move on with our lesson. Um, and we let them know that in their evaluations up front and we take a weight on them in their evaluation. So we say, Hey, we just need to confirm this. You know, we need to make sure that everybody's on the same scale. Everything's the same. We're, we're making sure everything is, is cohesive all the way through. They get weighed in their evaluation. And then when they come in 12 weeks later for their next course, they get weighed again. And it, it really is a non-issue. We don't, 
we don't have any yeah we don't even have any conversation around it anymore it's just routine and I think we have a really good rhythm because we do run on that four courses a year 12 weeks each um and so families just kind of learn to expect it it's sort of Mm -hmm. a a thing every every course we verify that they're gonna be on the schedule for the next course and we do a wait and it's you know we just kind of hum right along and I don't ever have anybody have any difficulties with it Mm -hmm. nope um yeah and it, it will change. So we're located in Nebraska. Obviously, winters here require people to bundle up. We have coats. We have heavier boots. We have, um, you know, clothes that are going to weigh a little bit more than they would in the summertime. So we weigh our participants with everything they're going to be wearing when they actually ride. So they get on with their coats and their boots and their helmet and everything else. They get on the scale. We write it down and we move on. So I it's just something that it takes a while to implement. It's uncomfortable to implement, but it, but it is good practice. So let's talk a little bit about what the long-term effects kind of look like, because I think there's a lot of people out there that maybe don't have a ton of policy or procedure in place for what either weight limits look like or unbalanced writers look like or how they track that, yada, yada. So um, if if you don't follow a strict policy like Hetcher does, and like you said, we hadn't started weighing our participants and things since you know, for quite a few years before that. So what are the long-term effects that you see in horses that if you don't have a pol- like super tight policy in place for this type of thing? So when I came on to Hetra, I started working at Hetra. We, I think we started implementing the weight limit policy and, and weighing our participants. We've always had weight limits, but we started weighing our participants, I think a year or two after I came on. So um, I saw a little bit of it beforehand, but I think what I noticed was um, we dealt with a lot more back soreness in our horses. Um, I'm talking we had probably once a month, twice a month, we had body workers, we had chiropractors, we had vets, we had um, professionals coming out to help us deal with back soreness in our horses. Um, We also dealt with more soundness issues in our horses. And I think overall... Our horses were not necessarily burning out, but they were functioning for shorter periods of time within our riding program. And I don't mean that significantly, um, you know, so a horse that would originally came in and they were 20 and today we could probably ride them or keep them in our riding program until they're 24, 25. We have a couple that are going at 28 um, and still very physically fit. Um before we probably would have seen them leaving maybe a year or so earlier um, because we weren't paying as much attention to that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And one thing as we go forward, so I've got a couple more comments to make on how we implement weight limits for our horses, but the biggest thing that I think is important is that you be flexible in what and how you're implementing your weight limits. So we can look at all of these Things. So we can look at the horse's physical fitness, their age, their confirmation, um, how big they are. There's a lot of things that we can look at and set a weight limit and say, okay, this horse can carry a rider up to 175 pounds. Great. We start putting riders on them at that heavier weight limit and we start to see issues. So that horse gets a little bit cranky in lessons or maybe we see some stumbling or we see that the horse's back is getting a little bit sore. That weight limit is not working for that horse. It is really, really, really important that you make the adjustment. 
So that that horse, even though we look at them and think, well, they should be able to carry 175 pounds, but they can't. So it's really important that you back that up and you say, okay, we're going to back that up. We're going to go to 150 pounds. So, and whenever, whenever we see something like that happen at Hetra, we um, pull the horse off work for a period of time. We get the horse back to where they're as comfortable as they can be. Um, we make sure they're as physically fit as they can be. We're no longer dealing with any back pain um, before we put them back into work. So we pull that horse off. They go through, you know, kind of a rehab or a, a strengthening regimen, whatever it might be. We make sure we check all their saddle fit. And then we put them back into work at 150 pounds. And we say, okay, this horse is really happy at 150 pounds. So um, we cruise along at 150 pounds. If that horse can stay at 150 pounds, then we leave them there. Um, and that and that's where they function. The most important thing in this industry is safety. And if your horses are cranky, if your horses are unhappy in their jobs, if your horses are uncomfortable doing what we're asking them to do, your safety standard is at risk. Mm -hmm. um, you, you have a much higher potential to have an incident happen because your horse is in pain. So those things are really important. Have you heard about Hetra's mentoring program? 30 years ago, Hetra started with one participant and a handful of volunteers. Today, we're a large thriving organization that wants to share our experience with you. We know that the work you're doing is extremely beneficial, but we also know how incredibly difficult it can be. Let us help you understand all aspects of your program, from volunteer coordination, horse management, finances, fundraising, and everything in between, so that you can sustain a successful, thriving organization. Get started now with a free 15-minute consultation. All you have to do is a quick survey, and we'll match you with the best Hetra staff member for your needs. Go to hetrauniversity.org now and click on Mentoring. Do you want to talk a little bit about, I guess, how when we talk about setting weight limits, you can, there's lots of things you can do. Is there a place you start? So let's say we have, um, you know, a new horse in our program. Is there a place you start to say, okay, I use the 20% rule and then I look at X, Y, Z, or do you want to take us through kind of an example? Sure. Maybe. So let's go through a couple different examples. So let's start with, um, most people are probably familiar with what a halflinger is. Mm -hmm. Um, Generally, they're smaller, right? They're about 14 hands, um, sometimes a little smaller, sometimes a little bigger, but they tend to be pretty stocky little individuals. Would it be helpful if I pulled up a picture and then I could share it with our audience? That would be so helpful. Okay, let me pull up a picture of a halflinger. Um, anyway, so keep talking. So um, let's picture a halflinger. So halflingers are smaller. They are considered ponies, um, but they are generally pretty strong. A lot of halflingers are used for pulling carriages. Um, they are pretty stocky. So um, a small halflinger, they may weigh, I don't know, for, for sake, we'll use we'll use a thousand pounds for sake of easy math. Because, Let's look at this guy. Yes. So for sake of easy math, we're gonna we're just gonna use a thousand pounds. So if we use the 20% rule, a thousand pound horse should be able to carry 200 pounds easily, right? So we have to take into account that um, the saddle is in there. So that that's going to already take off, you know, whatever that might be. So um, kind of use your use your best judgment, make estimation and a and kind of a round number on what an approximate saddle would weigh at your center. Or get on a saddle or get on a scale yourself yep. 
and then hold your saddle and then get on the scale again if yep. you really need to know. Yep, absolutely. Um, so using the 20% rule, that horse can carry 200 pounds. And most halflingers are not going to weigh 1,000 pounds. So I'll throw, <laughs> I'll throw that out there right now. So, But I'm just using this for um, general purposes. So if we say 200 pounds is our 20% rule, um, we're going to back that up. So we're going to estimate that. Um, most of our saddles here wouldn't weigh more than 30 pounds. So I'm going to back that up to 170 pounds is a weight limit for that horse. Okay. So I know a halflinger doesn't weigh a thousand pounds. Um, so I'm going to back that up further. I'm going to back that up to probably 150 pounds. Um, because I know, I know that halflinger doesn't weigh a thousand pounds. Mm -hmm. Okay. And if we look at the one in the picture that I'm going to provide to you guys, he doesn't weigh a thousand pounds. No, he's he just doesn't. a little guy. Um, so next factor to take into account. Um, halflingers have a tendency to be really fat. Um, they are really um, very challenging horses to keep in peak physical shape. They're just a little round. They, they are. <laughs> They're good winter type horses. <laughs> um, so to, keeping that in mind, we have, so we have two halflingers in our program right now. Um, one is older. He's 28. He's been with us for I think 15 or 16 years at this point. Um, physically, he is not in his prime anymore. Um, we have another halflinger. He is 11. He is an active carriage driving horse. He's an active riding horse. He's kind of a jack of all trades. And I would say he is in his peak physical form. He's still fat <laughs> because halflingers <laughs> are really hard to keep their weight appropriate. Um, and I will say halflingers are also... Horses that I find their weight fluctuates quickly. Um, so I have found with halflingers, you adjust diet, you adjust exercise, and you can take weight off of them relatively quickly um, and get them into where they are in a little bit better shape. But I will also say I, I've had them where they sit there and you think you're at a good maintenance and you come out one day and you're like, you're fat again. <laughs> How did it happen? Um, so those are things to keep in mind with halflingers. So Okay, so going back to, I got sidetracked. So <laughs> um, we're down to 150 pounds because we know our halflinger doesn't weigh 1,000 pounds. Um, so then I'm going to take into account that our halflinger is in his prime. He's 10. He is an active carriage driving horse. He is a little bit fat, but physically he should be in really good shape. Um, he has never had any soundness issues for us. Um, so I'm going to sit with that weight limit probably about 150 pounds. So the next thing that we have to keep in mind for a horse like a halflinger is that their backs tend to be very short. Mm -hmm. So the weight bearing surface of their back, and this is a whole nother conversation for another day, um, runs from about the middle back of their withers until it's a spot called T18. If you palpate the last rib on the horse and you follow that up to the top of their back, um, that where that rib attaches in is where the back the furthest point back on your saddle tree should sit. Um, anything behind that that's sitting on the horse's loin is unsupported uh, by anything other than muscle and in the spine. Um, so it's it's that's where you see horses get back sore a lot if their saddles are too long. And I will say halflingers, their backs are short when you look at them, but their backs are also deceptively short when you palpate that last rib and find out what that weight bearing surface actually is. Mm -hmm. So... Going back into that, you have to look at your saddle fit. So do you have a saddle that is going to fit your little halflinger pony that's going to fit a 150-pound rider? Um, 
And sometimes the answer is yes. And then that's very much horse dependent and saddle dependent. Um, and sometimes the answer is no. So we definitely don't want to cram a 150 pound rider into say a 12 inch saddle because that's what fits our halflinger, right? Right. Um, so th if that would be the case, then we would have to back that weight limit up a little bit more in order to accommodate for the saddle. And know that if at some point we get a saddle that can accommodate a larger rider, we could potentially look at increasing that horse's weight limit now that we have tack that might fit a little bit more appropriately. Um, so, and I'm, and like I said, I'm, I'm trying to use round numbers to make math easy. I'm good at horses. I'm not good at math. Um, so I'm trying to use round numbers. So these are all very hypothetical numbers. It doesn't mean every halflinger has to have 150 pound weight right. limit by any means. Um, you have to just very much take this as an individual. So let's talk about our other halflinger that we have. Um, so our other halflinger that we have, he is 28 this year. He is in very good physical shape for a 28-year-old. Um, he is still actively working in our riding program. He used to be our main carriage driving horse, but as he's aged, um, that was just physically too challenging on his body. So we transitioned him out of carriage driving probably five years ago. Um, he stopped carriage driving. Um, we do a lot of conditioning with him. We do a lot of long lining. We use an equicore. We do work over poles. We do a lot, a lot of things to help keep his back engaged. Um, but his weight limit is 60 pounds. So he doesn't see any riders over 60 pounds anymore because that's where he is able to comfortably carry riders. And he absolutely still fills a role. He works in our therapy services program. Um, he's a steady Eddie. He's, he's pretty low to the ground. He's very tolerant. Um, but I will also say we do not have very many saddles that fit him anymore because as he's aged, his back has changed. And I wouldn't necessarily call him sway-backed, but his back has dropped some. Um, the muscle around the spine has dropped some as he's aged. Um, and from a soundness standpoint, he's he's honestly never been unsound for us. We've had this horse for I don't know how many years, and he's never been unsound for us. But from a back standpoint, we know that his back is not as strong as it used to be. Um, so we need to accommodate for that. So we don't have as many saddles that fit him. I would say... I think we have two English saddles that still fit him. Um, even at that, I don't think very many people use them. I think most people ride in a soft saddle with him. Um, we make sure we have good padding for him. There's enough support to carry the rider. But like I said, he's only seeing 60 pound riders. Um, I would also like to add that Hetra has, I think I touched on this, we have balanced and unbalanced weight limits for each horse. As kind of a standard, um, I make that unbalanced weight limit. It's always at least 20 pounds below what their balanced weight limit is. Um, sometimes it's more than that, depending on the horse. So our older halflinger, his weight limit is 60 pounds. His unbalanced weight limit is only 40 pounds. So if we've got a kiddo that is really active, they're kind of wiggly, they want to move around a little bit. So if they're over 40 pounds, this horse is not going to be the horse for them. We're going to find a different horse that's going to be able to carry a little bit higher unbalanced weight limit. And I think that's important to note that it's not only physical, so it's not just, you know, maybe your cases that might have a diagnosis of cerebral palsy or Down syndrome or those diagnoses that you're going to expect a little bit of muscle tone fluctuation or, or um, abnormality, I guess, in right to left muscle tone, that kind of thing. But it's also behavior and just attention span and things to really sit that centered 
you know, good position for that horse um, for the 20 or 30 minutes or whatever you're riding. Absolutely. That's a really good point, Katie. I have a question. Yes, ma'am. How often do we check for back soreness? Do we kind of wait for some behaviors to start? Or are you guys as the horse team checking, you know, for back soreness and that kind of thing on a regular basis? Um, It's something that we check for very, very regularly. Um, And we do a lot of education with our volunteers on helping us to check for back soreness. So anytime a volunteer goes through a groomer training with us, that's something that we talk about. So we talk about if you go and you're currying a horse's back and they act like they're flinchy or they act like they don't want you to do that, you need to notify somebody because we need to check that that horse's back is not sore. Um, So I would say it's something that most of our horses are getting checked for on a on a basis like if they work Monday Wednesday Friday they're getting checked Monday Wednesday Friday and it may not be by a member of the horse team staff but it is absolutely by somebody that has been educated on what we want them to be looking for if we have any horses that do start to show behaviors and lessons um, that's one of the first things we look at back pain and ulcers are the first or one and two that we look at if we start to see any behaviors that are out of character for our horses during sessions um, And if we notice any of that, if we notice any back pain, we notice any ulcers, that horse gets pulled off of work, we address that before the horse goes back to work. And this goes just back to sound or to safety. It's it's not safe for us to continue using a horse that we know is not 100% comfortable doing their job. Um, So it's something that is absolutely getting checked very regularly. Petra also has a set of volunteers that go through additional training um, to become what we call designated groomers and tackers. So if we have a horse that has a history of back pain, has a history of challenges with their back, um, we will probably make them a horse that is a designated groomer and tacker. And then they're only going to be groomed and tacked by those volunteers who have had further education in what to look for. Because we really, back pain and back soreness is something it's really important to stay ahead of, especially on a horse that you know has had any history or has had any sort of like um, chronicity to back pain. So if if we can stay ahead of it, we can generally manage it and we can keep that horse pretty comfortable doing their job by making adjustments, checking saddle fit, lowering their weight limit, changing their conditioning plan. Um, there's a whole list of things that we can do. If you get behind back pain, if you get behind back soreness and you don't find it until that horse's back is already really sore, you may be out months that that horse is not going to be able to do their job. Or end up with an accident. Or end up with an accident or end up with a horse that may not ever be able to come back and do their job Mm -hmm. because they've had such a chronic level of pain for so long, it starts to create issues. So horses, because of the way a horse is built, there is no ability for them to rest their back, right? So their back is always going to hold their belly, right? So... Horses, the ideal horse that is is fit and is in shape <clears throat> uses their abs to hold up their back. I can tell you most horses are lazy enough that they don't do that on a regular basis. It's just like people. We should use our abs and our core <laughs> to sit up straight and engage our body all the time, right? But we don't do that. <laughs> we sit here slumped over. We, you know, hunch our back. We sit how is comfortable. Well, the same thing's going to be true of your horse. So if your horse's back is sore, if those back muscles are sore, that horse is not going to use those back muscles very well. They're going to let their back hang on their belly and they're going to let their belly try to do as much work to support that as they can without engaging to lift it. 
Um, so that can cause a lot of problems because it's really hard to heal a sore back because they can't they can't get off of it. It's not mm-hmm. like it's not like us when we sprain our ankle that we can say, oh, we can, you know, put Be it on up crutches or put it up and put it on ice or um, you know, anything like that. It's it's not like us even when we hurt our backs. So even when people hurt our backs, it takes a long time to heal because what you sneeze mm-hmm. and then you hurt your back again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's similar for horses and harder for horses. Harder for horses because they can't get off of it. They're mm-hmm. they're constantly having to support it. Um, and so that that's really hard. It's really hard if you get behind back pain mm-hmm. to to get a horse back up and working. Well, I have really enjoyed this conversation for multiple reasons, but I mean, for one being that we are the biggest advocates for our horses and we it is our job and our responsibility to to keep them Happy, healthy, sane, and sound. Yes, it is. Right, Miss Shelby? Absolutely. Um, and they are the center of our mission. So without them, we can't do what we do. And so it's important that we are advocating for them and, and setting some of these policies and procedures in place to, to protect them. So, Yes, it is. All right. Well, as we close today, I've had you on the show before. I don't remember what my question was last year. Oh, it was your heart horse and why. But this year it is... Tell me about your why. So why, why is, why do you keep doing what you're doing? Why do you keep setting weight limits for horses? (laughs) (laughs) It's my passion. (laughs) Um, My why is I, I've, I've grown up with horses. I've had horses in my life. Literally from the day I was born, I have had horses in my life. Horses have gotten me through a lot of really challenging times in my life. They have provided a safe place for me. They've provided um, so many learning experiences that I can't even start to number them. Um, and I want other people to be able to experience that. I, To me, horses are magic. Like you go out to the barn and it's magic, right? Like literally it's magic. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't. We can't quantify it no. or qualify it. It just is. No, it just is. And I want other people to be able to experience that. I want to be able to share why horses are magic and why this is so important for people to be able to have the opportunity to learn from them. And I want to be able to share that with a population of people that don't have a lot of other magic in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they maybe don't have access to a lot of other things. And um, yeah, that's my why. Beautiful. I love that. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ms. Shelby, um, for sitting down with me today. I know you're a busy lady. If you guys have any questions specifically about managing your herd or managing weight limits or anything like that, um, I do want to direct you guys over to our mentoring program. So Shelby's happy to talk with you guys. Starts with a free 15-minute consultation, and then she can help kind of tailor your needs from there. So if you have any interest in that, head over to HetraUniversity.org, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks. Hi, it's Katie, just popping in really quick before I let you all go. I love the talk that Shelby and I had about weight limits, and I think we had a lot of really good tips and information to share with you. I just wanted to touch really briefly on unbalanced riders and kind of what that means at Hetra. So we recognize that there are varying degrees of being unbalanced and being a little bit unbalanced is okay because that's why we're here. We're here to build strength and to build confidence and to build some of those skills. So that's why we feel very lucky 
Um, And we feel like it's very important that we have therapists there to evaluate our participants that might have a little bit more difficulty with being unbalanced. We can then offer suggestions. We can offer tips. We can do things like work on our equisizer or work towards other activities that can help us build either the strength that we need to be balanced, the mobility that we need to be balanced, or even if it's something like a behavior. If we can start adding some adaptations or adjustments to really help that participant be successful and ultimately ride that horse um, or ride that horse for longer periods of time, that is really what we're after. So when I say unbalanced, um, we really want to take into consideration how the weight distribution is happening onto our horse's back and, you know, into the saddle and onto the back. So anything that's going to place all of the weight of that participant in one spot on the back, I'm talking about really, really rigid end range posterior pelvic tilt. So our legs then start to get in sort of a chair seat. That hip angle is closing a lot. The feet are coming forward. We don't have good weight distribution into our stirrups to really support our body. All of that weight is going straight down um, through the participant's, you know, tailbone basically and into one spot in the horse's back. And that can be very um, painful for long periods of time for our horses. Another thing we look at too is a lot of postural sway. So can that participant support themselves with their core and their back um, and using their feet underneath of them to keep their bodies relatively in midline? A little bit of postural sway is okay. Again, we're working towards, you know, building better strength and body awareness and all of those things. But if we're looking at, you know, both shoulders are swaying very far outside of that that base of support or way outside the midline um, to the point where your sidewalkers are, you know, concerned that they might slide off. Um, if that's happening frequently in your session, especially in short periods of time, that would be considered unbalanced and can be very, very stressful on your horse's backs um, and place a lot of stress on not only your horses, but your volunteers and, and your participant and yourself as well. Um, I mean, we might even be talking about those that are unable to self-correct. So if our participants can't um, help themselves to get into a better position or without some significant um, verbal cues or even some physical assistance to get into that, that better position, what we don't want is a lot of sliding and really, you know, the scooching over where all of that weight is just kind of shearing across our horse's back. Um, that can be really difficult as well as just kind of overall low, unsupported tone that, you know, especially at higher weights can be really difficult to manage within the saddle. Um, And then of course the behavioral concerns that we talked about. So our, our participants that might be turning around in their saddle, you know, kind of twisting around to see what's going on. A lot of that high energy twisting is hard on our horse's backs. Um, being left to right in the saddle, leaning forward or back might be some concerns and other things that we're taking into consideration when we're riding our horses. This is kind of a whole can of worms, I think, that we could definitely get into more. So be on the lookout for this topic on a podcast in the future, because I think there's a lot that can be said here about what we can do to help these participants ultimately ride their horses and ride their horses for longer periods of time Um, because that's where everybody's happiest, right? 
Well, thanks again for listening, everyone. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us on the Not Just a Pony Red Facebook page. Thanks for listening to another episode. Until the next one launches, stay connected to our community by joining the Not Just a Pony Ride Facebook group. There, we share exclusive educational content, answer your questions, and review new and exciting developments for the EAS community. Don't forget, if you have suggestions for future episode topics or a lead on a great guest that you think our audience would enjoy, click on the link in the show notes or visit us at hetrauniversity.org. This podcast is presented by Hetra University, an educational arm of the Heartland Equine Therapeutic Writing Academy. Hetra University's mission is to provide high-quality educational offerings to our participants and the EAS community. If you'd like to help us work toward our mission, you can make a donation by visiting us online at hetra.org. Again, I can't thank you all enough for helping Hetra change lives one stride at a time.